Here we go. What if? What if? Everybody say what if. Okay. You all were able to, well, let's, let's think of this. How to, how to word. Unfortunately, one, one similarity between believing, Bible believing, born again believing, whatever, Christians, Christ followers, one similarity between Christ followers and those who are not Christ followers, the world, is this little thing called complaining. Say the word complain for me. Awesome. It's weird that you're saying stuff to me, but I know, but it helps me know that we're, uh, we're actually on the same page, okay? Um, in other words, in the Bible, uh, I think in the book of Numbers, it was a, this word called murmur. Say the word murmur. Okay, but you got to act like you're a four-year-old little girl when you say murmur, like murmur. No? Okay, whatever. Uh, another term for it is grumbling, okay? Say grumbling, please. Grumbling, awesome. Guys, if you could go ahead and throw that up there, that'd be great. Grumbling? What, what is grumbling? What's murmur? What's complain? What is that? Voicing your dissatisfaction. Are you giving me, like, grammar? It's a noun. Is that what you said? It's a verb, actually. Okay. Anything else? What do you think of? Are you grumbling about my... Okay. Give me a situation where somebody murmurs, grumbles, complains. They're not grateful. I'm hungry. Is that your stomach grumbling or you grumbling? That was a lame joke, right? Anything else? What, oh, come on, y'all. What do people complain about? It's too hot. Everything, okay? Let's unpack everything. You're at church. What do people complain about at church? The music. Okay, everybody came off on that one. The music. Whoa. What else? The pa oh, even better. The pastor. It goes too long. Dude, lunch. Come on. Hurry up, bro. Starts, amen, hallelujah. Starts too early. Anything else? Oh, now everybody's talking. What? What everybody else wears? Did you see what she was wearing? Gosh. What were you saying, Rebecca Phillips? Other people, how they act. I don't feel connected. <laughs> oh, Pam. Anything else? Okay. The altar isn't open very long, right? Dude, lunch, right? Okay. Let's sing the eighth stanza of that song. Anything else? Too personal? What do you mean? Oh, greasy marketing type stuff. If you're a visitor, by the way, we have cards in the back. We'd like your name. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. Anything else? Okay, money, how it's spent, or that they keep asking for it. Or teach on tithing. Yeah, by the way, there's this thing in the Bible called tithing. You should check it out. Anything else? 
Awkward silence. I mean, that's something to complain about. Nothing else? Okay, you're a part of the 18 to 35-year-old singles group. Don't you hate just being labeled like single? Ugh. Tell me about, tell me about complain, not just church, but within our group. Do you like that sound effect? Some of the same. Not just music, but are we ever going to have music? Yes, we are. We will. Everybody's whispering now. Amanda, what if, what's a complaint that you hear? Not necessarily that you would repeat or say. Uh, yes. Or in your own personal heart. No one's serving me. Anything else? Too big, too small. What's the deal with these groups of four or five? Yeah, I hear that complaint a lot. I don't care. What, Pam, what were you going to say? I do. I do. I don't care. Anything else? I do pray a long time. This is not like pick on Jeremy Tom. It's about y'all. Come on. He's short. Okay, we got that one out of the way too. Okay. There are bugs. Lots of bugs. Y'all tie so we can pay the exterminator. How that rolls. Anything else? We don't have enough socials. This is a singles ministry. I'm supposed to meet my future husband or wife. How am I going to do that on a couch, otherwise known as a love seat? <laughs> Checking the love seats. Oh, we've got a guy, girl on a love seat. Sorry. No? Oh, hey, no? Okay. Death stares from everyone who's sitting on a love seat. Awesome. Okay, now one more thing. People that are unbelievers or de-churched, they're, they're kind of sick of church, what's their complaint against the church? Not necessarily our church, but church as a whole. Hypocrisy? Explain. Say one thing, do another. No difference between the person who doesn't get up at 9.15 on Sunday morning to come to church and those that do. Ouch. Hypocrisy. And of course, when we project that, we say, okay, it, do, is that a reality in my life, right? Do I give people reason to say, well, I'm not coming because hypocrisy. Say one thing, do another. It's also called practical atheism, where you say you believe, but the way you live your life, you're an atheist. You act as if there is no God. What else? Okay, we'll start here. Judgmental, explain. Yeah. Um, how many of you heard of this little thing called Proposition 8, California? Heard about that? It's kind of a big deal. If you haven't heard about it, you should hear about it. Um, a, a lot of people in California view the church, 
that's speaking out against not homosexuals, but homosexuality. They're viewing the church as judgmental. Now, are there churches that go about talking about sin in the wrong way? Yeah, like picketing and saying God hates fags and all that kind of stuff. That would be a wrong way of trying to confront someone about their sin. Okay? Oh. That'd be a fun sport. Or they don't really give a rip about me. All they care about is another little tally on there. I'll go to crown in heaven because I led somebody to the Lord. That deal, right? Yeah. Where in Atlanta are you from? Cool. My wife and I lived in Chattanooga, so we would always go to Atlanta for actual culture. So, oh, almost fell. Almost fell. Um, somebody over, Jeremy, you were going to say something. What were you going to say? Totally inward focused. Don't give a rip about anybody else. Uh, a question that um, our pastor, John Metter, asked, I guess three years ago before I got here, when the whole debacle and mess was going on and the, the cleanup of the mess and um, all that kind of stuff, uh, he said, you know what? If our church were removed from this block, would anybody notice? If this church stopped, if it was leveled to the ground, or if it stayed here and we never met again, would anybody notice? So guess what happened as he asked that question? We're like, oh my gosh, no. A lot of people wouldn't. Thus, all the initiatives that we have within our community to rub off Jesus in the community. Pretty cool. Anything else? Give me one more. Well, I think that we're all fairly middle class and we dress up to protect the things, you know. Yeah. To look clean and look cute. But so many people in our surrounding neighborhoods, they kind of get a little comfortable. And yeah. they don't feel dirty because they feel like they have to be comfortable. That's a good insight. Yeah. Baths are good. Showers are good. But... Someone coming off of the street would come here. Would they feel like this was a kind of a country club mentality, a J. Crew catalog, or would they feel like, hey, no matter who I am, I can participate here? Cool. All right. Well, again, like I said, unfortunately, the one thing that we have in common as Christ followers and the world out there is we love to complain about the church, right? Do you see how once we started rolling that on the tongue, it just, oh yeah, this too, and then that, oh yeah. And you had like, nobody did the fist pumps in the air like, yeah, hypocrisy. But we were all like, hmm, that's kind of, yeah, I know what, what you're talking about there. Well, what I want to do is I want to flip the switch for a second. And if you need to flip it like on your nose or, or on your ear, whatever, flip the switch from the negative, this is hard for some of you, Flip it from the negative to the positive, okay? Now, this is why you're in your group. Here's the question. If you could create 
the perfect church. We'll even call it perfect church. No, because that would offend people. Perfect church. What would it look like? There, there's some questions in there to help you with that. But in your group, what would perfect church look like? Okay? How would it be run? How would the people act? How would the people reach out? How would they pray? All of those kind of things. You ready? Perfect church. Go. Okay, do me a favor. If you've been the one talking the whole time, let somebody else talk. Don't, be, don't have your feelings hurt. Just let somebody else talk. Okay, give me some give me some things that you said. Anybody? Yes. Okay. Servant leaders, which requires humility, which is pretty Christ-like. Die to yourself. What else? Okay. For what purpose? Hmm. What else? Okay. Okay, how many of yours, give me some that didn't require, like, this sounds really bad, that weren't like, die to yourself or follow Christ. Give me some ones that were like, well, if we did this, it'd be really cool. Y'all are so holy. Like, everybody's like, we'll reach our community. Anybody was like, dude, I'd like to have a full band. I'd like to have some music. Your best life now. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Let me read this to you. We could duplicate. Think of think of churches that you know that are successful. We could duplicate most of our successful churches by assembling the right group of talented, winsome people. If a church has the right worship leader, that's kind of a stab because we're at that place where we have a worship leader, a new worship leader, and there's a lot of hope being put in this worship leader, right? 
well, we'll attract a lot of new people and we'll get that younger generation and, you know, blah, 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 all that, which, you know, whatever. If we have the right worship leader, if we have the, an exciting children's program, if we have an entertaining speaker that, you know, the attention span, attention span of most adults now is 20 minutes, 15 minutes, give a good 15-minute little pep talk, and then whatever, it will grow. If you have, uh, out where we live in Keller, there's like the billboard wars of these churches. One's over here, one's over here, and they're competing against each other. Who can have the most winsome billboard and be like, ooh, that looks like a cool church, I want to go there. But, is that really the secret to life-changing, transformational, make people more like Jesus ministry? Is it an ad campaign? Is it a guy with, um, oh, I can't go there, never mind. Stop. Is that how God designed the church to operate? Where does the Holy Spirit fit into this model? Marketing, the worship leader, the band, the stage, the winsome poster child of the singles ministry people at the front door saying, hey, we're glad you're here. Come, we'll be friends. Come to our church. Right? Not that the people that stand at our front door are that, those people. Where does the Holy Spirit fit in? As much as I believe in using our natural abilities for God's glory, there are some of you, your work, you use what you do well in order to serve the body of Christ. That's awesome. We need to increase that. Uh, don't just give me a list of chores that you need done, Jeremy, in order to serve, but Jeremy, here's my gifts, here's my talents, here's what I love to do, and I want to serve the body. I want to have... I, I like videos. I'm going to serve the body by doing the videos. I'm pretty technical. Wave to all the people in the back. I'm going to serve the body by helping that out. But what if that was all that we had? What if those people back there weren't dependent upon the Holy Spirit? What if the worship leader is not dependent upon the Holy Spirit? What if the artists, Tracy and Stephanie, use their gifts in the church but without the power of the Holy Spirit. I simply cannot reconcile that model with the Lord's statement in Zechariah 4.6. And you've heard this before. This has haunted me for the past eight months. Not by might. Not by power. Finish it for me. But by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. That's Zechariah 4.6. All of our natural talents come for God. I'm not trying to downplay you using your unique gifts and abilities. But if our lives and churches make perfect sense, oh, they grew because they had this initiative. Or they did that because they had the winsome videos that were trying to reach the um, 20, 30-year-old crowd, the MTV generation then something's missing. This is what Chan says on page 142 of Forgotten God. I don't want my life to be explainable without the Holy Spirit. I don't want to live my life and have people be like, oh, he did this, he did that, he has this. 
I, I want it always to point to the Holy Spirit. I want people to look at my life and know that I couldn't be doing this through my own power. It's impossible. I want to live in such a way that I am desperate for him to come through. Forgot that I had written that down. Next question. Consider your involvement with church life. Well, actually go back. All of the things that you said in your group, I want you to go through the Rolodex of the things that were said. Could those be accomplished through human strength? Or does that require dependency upon the Holy Spirit? Go with your group. Talk through some of the ones that you said. Human strength or Holy Spirit? Or a mixture of both, maybe. Go. Okay, look up here at the next question I want you to talk about with your group. Consider your involvement with church life. In what ways do we tend to rely on our own natural abilities and talents in order to fulfill the church's mission? Okay, consider your involvement in church life. How do you rely on your natural abilities or talents? Some of you might be like, uh, the church's mission, what's the church's mission? You can talk about that in your group too, okay? Go for it. So nine weeks ago, we started with this conversation about the Holy Spirit, forgotten God, and we started with kind of a cheesy cartoon. How many of you remember the cheesy cartoon? Okay, some of you do, okay? We're going to show the cheesy cartoon again, one, because there's a lot of people that missed it, and two, because this, it totally relates to what we're talking about here, Okay? We started there, we're ending there, okay? So watch this real quick. What do you think? What do you think of the illustration, the tractor? What do you think about what he just said? Everybody looks really depressed right now. I don't know. Huh? Not talking to me, okay? Say it a little bit louder. Prayer. Take it more seriously. What, what was the point of the, the cartoon? Okay. Yeah. How many of you feel like churches or our church that you've been a part of where you are one of the ones, and these are people that have been here for a while that are consistent in coming. If you're a visitor, you don't have to answer this. You're pushing or you're pulling the tractor. Anybody? Yeah, at times you just feel like you are, anybody had your car break down where you had to push your car? Yeah, where you are pushing Pushing, pushing. 
And then at the end, there's this little sprig of, oh, look, there's that one seed that took root. Versus, what was the contrast of that? The guy who read the manual and what happened? Pardon? Nothing until he applied it. That's a good point. Read the manual. He goes out, sits on the tractor at night, and what happens? What? More food than they could handle. More food for the village, and not only the village, but who else? The entire world, right? Listen to this. The cartoon in the video gives a powerful illustration of church today. We get excited about the tractor. We get excited about the new church building or the lights or the stage or the new worship pastor. We get excited about the tractor. We get excited about it, then we wear ourselves out, pushing it inch by inch by inch through the field. At the end of the harvest, we've barely managed to finish the job and we end up with just enough food to go around, and we're all burnt out. Tragically, this is how many churches operate. They're built on the sweat and effort. Have you heard of the 80-20 rule? 20% of the people do 80% of the work. 80% of the people just sit on the keisters and don't do jack. You see the 80-20 here? See the 80-20 in our church? The answer is, right on, yes, I do. When we consult the owner's manual, however, we find that the tractor is actually designed to run and plow the field on its own. So we fix the tractor, plow the field in a single night, and then share the overabundance of food with everyone in need. When we discover that the church was designed to function through the power of the Holy Spirit, it changes everything. Now, Here's what I want you to do. Take out your Bibles, please. Turn in them to 1 Corinthians. As you're doing that, let me ask this quick question. How do you see us pushing the tractor? Either in our group or in our church. Remember, it's easy to complain. We've got to jump to the place where we say, okay, not only am I going to complain, but I'm going to be willing to be a part of the solution. So we're going to get to that part in a second. So if you're not willing to be part of the solution, don't air your grievances and complain, okay? How do we push? How do you see it? This is where a teacher calls on someone. Mike Stone King, how do you see us pushing? Nadia? Huh? Okay. Pam, how do you see us pushing? Yeah. Okay. Are you get wait, hold on. Are you going to answer the question though? How do you see us pushing? We do all have to be on the same team. Yeah. 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 
right on. Catherine, what were you going to say? Yeah. Yeah, and usually when we have that, oh, God wants me to do this, it's because we see it somewhere else, and we're like, oh, oh, that'd be cool. Oh, God just told me that that's what needs to happen in my life, A, B, C, D, like you said. Instead of, God, what do you want? What do you want this to look like? Which, that's the very reason why we're studying the book of Acts on Wednesday night. God, what do you want the church to look like? Owner's manual. Okay, that's cool. Look at 1 Corinthians 1. Go to verse 26. 1 Corinthians 1 is all about um, divisions that are in the church. Uh, the cross is foolishness to those who don't believe it, and it's wisdom to those who are saved by it. Look at verse 26. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God's chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base of the world and the despised God has chosen. The things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are. So that no man may boast before God. But by his doing you are in Christ Jesus. Notice. You didn't even have anything to do with this. By his, by God's doing, you are in Christ Jesus. Jesus, who became to us, number one, wisdom from God, number two, righteousness, and number three, sanctification, and for redemption. Jesus is all those things for us. So that, just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Keep going to chapter 2. And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come to you with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Why? So that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men. So your faith would not rest in the stories of men. So your faith would not rest in the little cool video where you're like, oh, okay, cool. But on the power of God. One more verse. Yet we do not speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. And then he continues talking about the gospel. When Paul wrote his letter to the church of Corinth, in the first part, he had to deal with what Pam was just talking about. We all have to be on the same team. At Corinth, we talked about this earlier, they were saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas. They had their little factions. I want to follow this guy, I want to follow this guy, I want to follow... There was no unity there was no, we're all on the same team. We're all moving this thing together. Groups were forming around attractive personalities. I mean, you want a cool pastor of your church? Paul. I mean, he wrote the New Testament, basically. Yeah, you're going to get your 
uh, hand slapped a little bit. You're going to get your kick in the pants every once in a while because it's Paul. But man, talk about an attractive personality. In order to address the preoccupation with human personalities and wisdom, Paul brought their focus back to the power of God rather than the brilliance of men. Answer this question for me. How does Paul describe human effort here as compared to the power of God? Look at this text again. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through about 2, 5. What's the comparison contrast here? Talk about it in your group real quick. The human effort. What foolish? What else? Wait for it. Weak. Look, look at what it says. Fool, verse 27. Foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the foolish things of the world. He chose the weak of the world to do what? Shame the things that are strong. The things that are not so that he can nullify the things that are. Why? Why does he do all that? Magnify himself so that no man can boast. Okay, now put this back into our tractor illustration. What are things in churches today that people boast about? Numbers, budget, buildings, programs, pastors, events. I'm of John Piper. Well, I'm of Matt Chandler. Well, I'm of... No one boasts that. That's more of like the weak things of the world. Community. We call them the beautiful people churches. All oh, the beautiful people go over there. Yeah. Big choir. No choir. Praise band. Kicking sweet light show. Irving Bible Church, the environmental projection. Ooh. Go look that up later. It's pretty cool. But their boast is not in that. Anything else? Okay. Look at, uh, look at verse 5. According to the passage, why is it important to rely on the power of the Spirit? Yeah, the so that right there is, okay, so that, look at verse 4, the message of my preaching was not persuasive words of wisdom, but a demonstration of the Spirit. Why? Why do we need the demonstration of the Spirit? Well, if it's just the wisdom of men, where's their faith going to rest on? Wisdom of men. What's he said about wisdom of men? It's stupid. It's foolish. Uh, go back to uh, one Verse 23. He's talking about all this wisdom stuff because the Corinthians, again, were messed up and they were philosophers and they thought they were really cool because they knew. Kind of an inception type thing. Are we really in a dream? Look at verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews. It's a stumbling block to Gentiles' foolishness. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, the wisdom of God. 
So what's true power here? This is where Sunday school answer is appropriate. Jesus, right? True power, Jesus. True wisdom, same answer. Jesus, right? Go back to verse 5. So that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Why is that important? Men let us down. Men die. Yeah. Who is wise among us? What's wrong with men? What do we all have? Sin. Okay? Think about the way you minister to the people around you. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, 4 through 5. My speech and my message were not implausible words. It means he wasn't like a charlatan. He wasn't like this greasy tele-evangelist trying to like do the hocus-pocus thing on you. Demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith might rest in the wisdom, not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Can you say along with Paul those things? Maybe, maybe not. What's true of the church in general is also true of our lives in particular. Church, general, us as individuals. There ought to be a real difference between a spirit-filled person and everybody else. We hit on that with the hypocrisy statements. Not necessarily talking about you walking around raising people from the dead or casting out demons. Not, not that. Or speaking in foreign languages all the time. I'm talking about the Galatians 5 fruit of the spirit. A supernatural person what do they look like according to the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5, 17. Anybody know them? Supernatural. It is supernatural for you to love. It is supernatural for you to be a bearer of joy. What are some other ones? Peace in the midst of chaos. Love, joy, peace. Oh, Lord. It is supernatural for us to be patient with one another, with God. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-what? Control. Hello. Self-control. But as Christians, we have the source of both joy and peace living inside of us. We have the Holy Spirit ought to love the people around us to a supernatural degree in every circumstance. Sometimes the difference isn't apparent until tragedy strikes. When we find ourselves in the midst of overwhelming circumstances, the Spirit has a chance to show us His incredible power. Real quick, have you ever noticed someone who is, I mean, they are drenched in the Holy Spirit? They walk around and they just demonstrate love. Have you ever seen those type of people? They demonstrate joy in the midst of adversity. Yes or no? Yeah? They demonstrate self-control, peace. You've seen those people? 
Are they the norm or the exception? Wait for it, wait for it. Norm? I'm going to go with exception on that one, right? Should be norm. The Spirit wants to do more than just help us out a bit. He wants to transform us patiently but steadily into people who transform all the corners of the world. We sometimes get so caught up in everything God wants us to do that we lose sight of who God wants us to be. Do versus be. The difference is significant. God wants us to be the type of people who love Him wholeheartedly, who depend upon the Holy Spirit, who by faith reach out to those people around us as we spend time pursuing God. We won't be transformed by simply trying harder, grunting, straining, and saying through clenched teeth, I will be patient. I will be patient. Has never worked in your life or mine. And it's never likely to change. But what does affect change is when we begin to ask God to manifest this fruit in our lives. God, make me loving. God, through the gospel, you loved me. Make me an extension of that to others. God, through the gospel, you gave me peace. Let me have peace and give it to others. God, you give me the opportunity through my identity in Jesus to have self-control in this situation. Or maybe the Spirit leads you to run away from a situation. Right? Instead of just staying there. Remember, it's never been about you doing it on your own. It's about the power of the Spirit of God in your life. That's what this whole deal about forgotten God is. Dependence upon the Holy Spirit. For some of you, there's this great divide happening of people that want to press on and they know this and they want to see the Holy Spirit do things in their life and others of you, you're like, I'm out. I don't want that. Prayerfully consider, Lord, I don't want to be dependent upon me to change. I want you to change me. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for the grace and the mercy that you give. We thank you that the word of God is profitable. Lord, it is so worthwhile to teach us, also to rebuke us, to tell us where we're wrong, and not just leave us there and hit us over the head with the Bible, but to correct us, to set that bone straight that was broken. So, Father, we ask that you would do that. There's a lot of broken bones spiritually in this room where we got the rebuke, but we need the correction of the word. Father, show us the gospel. Show us Jesus on the cross. Allow us to find our identity in him and him alone. Lord, allow us to contemplate, to apply, to get what it means to live, not pushing the tractor, but living by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. We ask these things in the name, the powerful, mighty, matchless, beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.